stand up and as we start our gathering this morning, let's make a declaration together. So if we would, all just stand and make this declaration. It's based out of Isaiah chapter 60, uh, verse 1 through 3. So we'll get, up, get that up there. There we go. Okay, let's declare this together over our gathering this morning. To all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who feel worthless and wonder if God cares, to all who fail and desire strength, to all who sin and need a savior, this church opens wide her doors with a welcome from Jesus Christ, the ally of his enemies, the defender of the guilty, justifier of the unexcusable, and the friend of sinners. God, we thank you for bringing us here today. I thank you for this declaration over our lives and over your church today. God, we need you. In game, we need you. We want to see you. We want to be more like you. We want to hear from you. God, we need you. We thank you for being victorious over life and death. God, we thank you for being God Almighty, and we declare your greatness today. We prepare our hearts and our minds to hear what you have for us in this place. And all of God's people said, amen. Okay, you can have a seat. Good to see you this morning, Church Project. We, um, as Ryan, Ryan, thank you for talking about house church and the the importance of house church. If you've been part of Church Project for a while, you know that um, in July we take a break from house churches. So we only have a little bit more time of house churches for this season. And then we're going to begin season 2019-2020 for house churches. So after our break of July, we'll start our house churches again. Why do we say this? Because we need to be praying right now, you as individuals need to be praying, is God asking you to be leadership of house church? For some of us, we're gonna be pastors for the first time and we're gonna lead our house church and it's gonna be incredible. I think God is doing some incredible things in Greeley. I think God is doing some incredible things in Church Project. And so I'm gonna challenge all of us. Man, I would love to see 10 church projects in Greeley, wouldn't you? The church at Bittersweet, I got that one. Jay, you and I, we got that one, okay? No, you could be Bittersweet East or West or whatever. (laughs) We're Bittersweet Central, like Central, we got it, okay? The church at Glenmere, like how cool would that be? The church, Ben, what are you guys, what's the name of your neighborhood? What's your neighborhood? I don't know if we're downtown or something. Okay, Island Grove, downtown, something, that'd be good. So begin praying, begin thinking. Like God may be calling you into leadership. If so, see me, let's talk because I'm excited to start this next season together as we start a lot of house churches in Greeley. Amen? Right on. Okay. I want to set up this passage because if you've been reading your Bible, raise your hand just in your head, not outside. If you actually read your Bible, you should. It's a really good book. But if you're in the, we've been going through the book of Acts, and we're in the part of the book of Acts, we're in the end, it is just one big, long story. And so if you were here last week, we, for, we covered some 40-odd verses, which was incredible. Congratulations, we're going to do that again today. This is a story that just keeps going, and this is the life of Paul. What I want to do before I read these passages together, and I brought my reader glasses so I don't get lost, okay, What I want us to do is pay attention to Paul's life as we're reading this passage. The life of Paul, use your imagination. The only way to describe the narrow misses and near-death experiences 
and the miracles that God um, gives is that God in Paul's life had a master plan for his life. And as we're reading this passage, it's hard to say, yeah, God didn't obviously have his hand all over Paul, and, and there was a master plan over his life. And may this bring to mind the miracles in our own life. Sure, we may not be getting torn up in the synagogues or near-death experiences like that, but think back of the miracles in your own life, the good and the bad, okay? So let's start. Acts chapter 20 Verses 12 through 35 is what I'm going to riddle through, and then I've just got a simple point for the message today. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and to the elders and said, we have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petitioned the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We are ready to kill him before he gets here. But when the son of the Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said to Paul, the prisoner, sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the man by the hand, drew him aside and asked, what is it you want to tell me, he said. Some Jews have, asked, uh, uh, have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They have, been, they have taken an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. They are ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man with this warning. Don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me. Verse 23. Then he called the two of the centurions and ordered them, Get ready a detachment of 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Provide horses for Paul so that he may be taken safely to Governor Felix. He wrote a letter as follows. Claudius Lysias, to his excellency, Governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews, and they were about to kill him, but I came with my troops and rescued him, for I had learned that he is a Roman citizen. I want to know why they were accusing him, so I brought him to their Sanhedrin. I found that the accusation had, um, the accusation had to do with questioning about their law, but there was no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. When I was informed of the plot to be carried out against the man, I sent him to you at once. I also ordered his accusers to present to you their case against him. Verse 31. We're almost done. You ready? Let's finish it up here. So the soldiers, carrying out their orders, took Paul with him during the night and brought him as far as Antipatris. The next day, they let the cavalry go on with him. While they returned to the barracks, when the cavalry arrived in Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor and handed Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked what providence he was from. Learning that he was from Sicilia, Sicilia 
He said, I will hear your case when your accusers get here. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. Verse by verse can get you sometimes. Okay. We look at this passage, and all right, my friends, I want to work through this for just a, a little bit, a couple small things, and I've got something incredible for this today. Fun fact, as we, as we read these, these ton verses right here, um, I think it's funny that these 40 men took an oath, we're not going to eat, we're not going to drink till this man's dead, right? Well, we know Paul lived a lot longer, so did they just kind of fade out? <laughs> Starvation, like drinking, whatever it was, like... No, they didn't, because you see in the life of Jesus that officials would bend the rules and they would do stuff to entrap Jesus. And the same thing happens here. Like, there's, there's the, a Mishnah is written, and it's for this man-made laws that everyone has to follow to prove that they love God and very ritualistic that the Jewish people had and followed called the Mishnah. And the Mishnah, part of it, Nidrium 3.3, has this provision in it, okay? The Jewish law provided for the release from a vow that was unfulfillable because some un- unforeseen circumstance, the Mishnah, so I guarantee you the next day, they're like, oh, Paul's gone? Falafel time. Like, they went for it. Like, how deep is that vow? Oh, it didn't really fit my needs. So, you know what, Mishnah, I declare it falafel time. Like, when I look at all these verses, like, it, it's really cool to me. Actually, it's not. I mean, here's the reality. People are fickle. Do you know that? Like, people are fickle. And people, for the most part, are going to look out for number one, for me. I'll do it. You'll probably do it. People will probably do it. We'll create our own missionaries to find our way out of our vows. We'll do whatever we want to do to achieve the things that we, we, you know, that we want to achieve. People are fickle. We'll look out for number one. But like Paul, we might find ourselves in a pickle. That's funny. We might find ourselves in a, in a pickle. And the only thing that, that's going to get us out of like escaping Jerusalem is the hand of God in our life. What is the coolest thing that has ever happened to you? Just think for a second. Something that could only be described as a miracle. I mean, Paul, at this point, had experienced so many miracles. And once again, he's in prison. And he's getting escorted out of the city by night by hundreds of soldiers and his life is being spared again. If that were me, I'd be like, that's a miracle. Forty men were waiting in ambush to kill me. Another miracle. Paul's got a list of them. We do too, people. Like we have incredible list of miracles. What's the coolest thing? Our perspective though sometimes in life is like a cloud. Like this hard thing we're going through is like a cloud. The reality though, as Christ followers, is God is sovereign over our life. Like he has a plan. If he wants us to die in Jerusalem and that's the end of it, that's it. But if not, man, we're gonna be escorted out at 9 a.m. by hundreds of soldiers. Like when we go through hard times in life, it may be like a cloud and we don't know what God's doing, but God is sovereign. Can we declare that over our life? Like he has a plan for our life. He had a plan for Paul. 
There's a painter, and, and I want to put this, this illustration up. It's, his name is Scott Erickson, and there's a book called The 40 Days of Practice, and he has great art. Like, it's incredible. But here's a prayer over this, okay? The 40 Days of Practice. The prayer over this image is this. May I learn to make good out of what I'm given rather than only make sense of it. I mean, if that don't speak to you, that's the gospel, man. When Satan plans to kill us and drench us, God's like, uh-uh. He puts an umbrella up. He says, I'm covering you, my friends. And look, not, look, look at this. Not only am I covering you, look at the life that's happening because of this. We're going to keep this up for a while. May this passage remind us that God's perspective is better than ours. If I'm Paul, I'm like, I'm sick of this, man. And God's like, I still got a plan for your life. And he's looking at every one of us saying, I still got a plan for your life. God's perspective is better than ours. And life may seem like a rain cloud at times. I get it. I get it. But God's perspective, if we can see what's growing underneath this umbrella of anointing, like I get it. May we daily stay under the anointing of God. Amen? Or else that rain cloud is just really going to get us wet. And it may take the Holy Spirit direction in our life to get God's perspective. Because sometimes even when we know we're under the anointing of God, the cloud is so dark, it looks like we're gonna die, we don't know how to overcome this circumstance. Sometimes the best thing and the only thing it'll take to get God's perspective is to just fall on our knees and say, God, keep me under your anointing and let me see who you are and what you're doing in this circumstance because I don't know. I don't see it, all I can see is the cloud. And little by little, we may be able to look to the left or may be able to look to the right and trust that God is doing a good thing in our life. Amen? That's a good, that's a good, good word. I have a quote and then two Bible verses and we're done. Here's the quote from Archbishop William Temple. When I pray, coincidences happen. And when I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. When I pray, coincidences happen. And when I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. The anointing of God, God's sovereignty over our life. Thank you, God, for who you are. When all we can see is that cloud, we know you're doing amazing things. Do you want to declare that over your life? Here's how we can. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 8 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Do you cling to God and seek after him as if your life depends on it? And I mean every moment of our life do you awake in the morning 
awaken? What's the proper term, English people? Awaken? Do you awaken in the morning? Thank you. Do you wake up in the morning? That's way better. I like that. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. That's awesome, dude. Thank you. That's a tag team, bro. Okay, can we, do, do you wake up in the morning and thank him and wait for his prompting? Like, really, like, God, <laughs> good morning. Some of you are really morning people, so you jump out of bed. Hey, God, don't. Hey, God, good morning. What a day. Thank you for my life. What's on the agenda today? Because maybe all I could see is that rain cloud or hard stuff. God, may you guide my life. The final praise and promise is in Psalms 9, 1 through 2. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And as Paul marches on in this journey of following God, he sees the anointing of God in his life like you and I. Here's what I want us to do. You can close your Bibles, but you gotta get your phones out. Of course, check your Instagram real quick, but another thing you can do is just open up your notes, make a new note, or for the old school people, get out your pen and paper. Because I just gotta believe, as we reflect on our life, that we can see miracles. And I want us right now just spend time just quietly making a list of ways God has moved in our life. Like literally, we're just gonna put on a little bit of music and just start making a list on however you're gonna make your list here on the way that you've seen God move in your life. God, thank you, and I, I missed that narrow, narrowly missed that accident, that car slamming towards me.
God, thank you that my heart was hard. You sent your spirit to chase after me. To just show me the depth of my sin and to realize the forgiveness of your son. On my behalf. The biggest miracle we can declare over our life is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. His blood covered over all of our sins. And we can say we're a son or a daughter of God most high. What a miracle. Church, I want to encourage you just to keep this list going. And I don't know if today you're practicing a Sabbath day or a day of rest. But as you go to the park with the jacket on, or you go to your house tonight, tomorrow, keep this list going. Miracles. May we not forget them. May we declare them over our lives, the lives of everyone around us. The cool thing about these miracles is why does God do them in our life? He moves so that he will get praise and glory. It wasn't about me just being thankful that I missed that car accident by a millisecond. I mean, thank you, God. That would have stunk. But thank you, God, because you've chosen to have me on this earth for another second so that I can tell others about you. And I can point to the miracle in my life because of you. And we can say that a hundred times over in our life, all the miracles that God's given us, amen? So keep this list going and give those miracles back to him as praise. That's why our worship can be so crazy when we come together because we're singing on behalf of the miracles of his greatness and who he is. And so, when we gather and we worship, may it be praise going back to God for who he is and what he's done. Then, you can't control the joy in this place, can you? Ooh, that's good. God, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us here. Your word is incredible. I pray that your spirit keeps moving in our life, showing us who you are and who we are in you. God, we love you.